horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks once again for tuning in to Winning Ponies. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we hope to bring you a excellent show this evening. Uh, two very relevant guests, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the uh, first one will be Terry Meeks. I usually have on Terry about twice a year after a big meeting uh, as the national manager of the Jockeys Guild, and uh, they they had a meeting oh, in December, and uh, we're going to talk to him about some of the subjects that came out of there, uh, Jockeys making strides on social media. I know there was one seminar where there were industry uh, people brought in to set, tell them how important it is that they... Uh, take the time to handle themselves well with the media. And uh, now this time when the industry is so focused on equine safety, uh, the guild leaders express their frustration uh, to track executives uh, that while Jackie's lives are literally at stake, they're the last line of defense for a horse's safety. And their input's not being heard or considered as many of the initiatives are being implemented. You know, they just uh, formated the Thoroughbred Safety Coalition, and the Guild was not included in the formation of that for major industry reforms. Uh, so we're going to get around to that. I, I want to hear what uh, Terry has to say himself and uh, what the uh, what the jocks had to say about it in the meetings. So uh, Terry Meeks will be our first guest as the head of the Jockeys Guild. And then uh, a gentleman that we've had on uh, numerous times because he's not only a excellent handicapper, but he's also the communications director for HorseTourneys.com, which is horse racing's number one destination for player-friendly qualifying contest and low uh, take out cash games, uh, you know, and Eric's been uh, done just about everything in the business. He worked with the NTRA, uh, the New York Racing Association, the Daily Racing Forum, and uh, he will be back as the MC of the NTRA National Handicapping Championship, which is coming up in March, I do believe. <clears throat> And so he's going to update us on your, your last chances to get into that very, very uh, rich uh, O contest that will crown the king of the cappers. So Terry Meeks and Eric Wing are going to kick the show off as far as our guests are concerned. Now let's take a look at some of the national news that's been kicking around out there Uh Report did finally come out on the passing of Mongolian groom, and what they're saying is that he had pre-existing joint injuries. Okay, this doesn't mean it showed itself or it was pronounced. You know, some of these horses race for years and years uh, with uh, something in their bone structure that can't really be detected from the outside, but it doesn't affect them win winning big races. Uh, but they they say that uh, the more that they expected him. Um, that he had lesions on both rear fetlocks uh, that uh, they, they would indicate lameness, but uh, in all the pre-racing 
uh, inspections, and there were numerous veterinarians that looked at those horses in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, nothing really uh, came to the fore. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the post-mortem examination of the horse turned up uh, the evidence of those injuries. But <clears throat> they had the best in the business, Dr. Larry Bromledge, uh, who is so well-respected as an equine surgeon at Rudin Riddle. Uh, he has extensive experience in bone damage and repair. And basically, he said, you know, uh, without the horse showing anything outward um, that – those bilateral lame horses are the most problematic. Uh, if, if it's just one leg, they um, kind of favor that one. But this way, they just look like they both go just fine from what I'm reading. And uh, I found this interesting that the report stated that Mongolian groom's primary hands-on caretaker, his groom, Edgar Paradia, uh, that had cared for him for nine months, and he felt that the horse had never shown any pain, heat, or swelling in his limbs at any point during that period. So, uh, like I said, there were no outward signs, so uh, it, it it finally came to the top. It's just too bad that it came to the top uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic. <coughs> but... Uh, Bramlage did emphasize that there was no evidence that the horse's injury uh, was ignored or covered up at, at, at any time. Uh, so that, I think, is, is bad news that we lost the horse, but it's good news that nobody was, was hiding anything uh, from the get-go. And uh, so... Hopefully, we cleared that up. You know, there's just been so many eyes on... Uh, horse racing and uh, the uh, the problems that can uh, go along with it. And there's people out in California that want to ban the sport. And Bramlage says everything was on the up and up. But these were things that you don't see until you do a post-mortem examination of the horse. Okay, well, we're going to look at some really good races uh, w with Eric uh, today. And the two from the fairgrounds are so evenly matched. Uh, that's the, the grade three LeCompte. That is a derby prep race, 10-4-2-1 in the point system. And the Louisiana, that is for older horses. And wow, are they evenly matched. I had a hard time floating them to the top. And you probably will be too. So if you are having a hard time, well, it's a place you can go. You can pull down the easy win forms at winningponies.com. Take a look at some of last week's results. Uh, out west at Sam Houston, we had a $1 pick three that paid 1457 And at Gulfstream, it was a $1 Super 5 that paid 1555 Really had a great, great past week at Gulfstream. Uh, also, just yesterday... Had a $1 Super 5 that paid over $1,700. And uh, four days ago, a $1 Super 5, that seems to be a good bet when you're using our easy win forms. Uh, $1 Super 5 that paid over $1,600. Excuse me, folks. I got a little frog in my throat. I'm going to try to get rid of them here. <clears throat> Let's hope that that worked. All right, so again, it's going to be uh, a tough week of handicapping, but we brought in one of the best in Eric Wing. Oh, by the way, uh, of course, uh, two guys I really know, I've had them both on the show. Uh, Byron King wrote a nice story on my friend Jason Beam, 
And Jason's a guy that's not afraid to show his resume, warts and all. Uh, he did go through a ga- gambling habit period. He went through depression, uh, and he's dealt with it, and he's outward about it. And uh, now he's back in the announcer's booth. Uh, uh, my friend Pete Aiello called him up and asked him if he'd cover the Gulfstream Park West meet. All of a sudden, I heard Jason's voice. I go, I think that's him. And uh, both of those guys worked at River Downs on their way up, shall I say. And... Uh, so uh, Jason has uh, a, a website, and uh, it's just jasonbeam.com, <laughs> and he puts together an annual event called the Beamy Awards. Uh, it, it is uh, just – it's more than hilarious, but uh, he hits, uh, you know, the, the major topics of the week for sure. So uh, it, it's going to be – let me pull my calendar up. January 17th. So it's going to be tomorrow at 830 uh, at com, And uh, you can go to there and you can see his blogs and his other posts. But uh, you're going to find out whether or not you won a Beamy Award. Who knows? Well, here's a big name in racing. Uh, Midnight Bizu a purchase after the great season she had last year. She's heading to the Saudi Cup, and she's prepping uh, down at the fairgrounds, Marcus Hirsch reports, uh, on Wednesday, 101 and two-fifths at the fairgrounds. A very nice five-for-a-long work. And uh, so uh, it looks like she is getting ready for the Saudi Cup. You never know who you're going to meet over there. Um it's, she's going to have a stronger work next week, Steve Asmussen says. But uh, she has just uh, been amazing. She's five years old now, back on a steady work pattern. Uh, again, she was second place in the Breeders' Cup Distaff, which was her first loss after seven victories, three of those in grade ones last season. So uh, she'll be leaving out here the U.S. Uh, in uh, mid-February. And go to the Saudi Cup, where uh, she could do that, and also maybe go to the $12 million World Cup in Dubai. And Asmussen said he's also going to send Engage, uh, who was fourth in the Breeders' Cup sprint in her last start. So uh, be keeping an eye out for Midnight Bizu and Engage across the uh, the pond, the big one. Uh, and here's some good news down at Spendthrift Farm. How about four-time champion, three-time Breeders' Cup winner, Beholder, who delivered a Dark Bay Philly by Warfront just last night at Spendthrift Farm. According to Ned Toffee, the general manager said this filly is good-sized, well-made, great shoulder, plenty of bone. She couldn't be doing anything better the delivery was smooth and it's just another beautiful baby produced by beholder now um she stood up within 20 minutes now this is the third full out of champion beholder who she's got a two-year-old uncle mo coat who's now named qb1 if you want to put in that horses to watch list and a yearling filly by curlin and after she had this warfront filling, she's going, won't have to go very far. She's right there in Spendthrift. Uh, she's going to be bred to their stallion, Bolt Dioro, 
this year. Just a brief uh, reminder to you, Beholder retired from racing in 2016 after an illustrious career that saw her win 18 to 26 starts, earnings of $6.1 million, earning Eclipse Awards as the outstanding two-year-old filly of 2012, three-year-old filly of 2013, and older dirt female twice, 2015, 2016. Well, I guess you don't earn over $6 million unless you can accomplish that. And think about it, because she had 11 grade one victories. Uh, we're talking three Breeders' Cup triumphs, uh, the juvenile fillies, the diff staff, and uh, let's not forget the day that she beat Songbird in her final career start before retiring to Spendthrift. And uh, she... Uh, uh, also uh, defeated males, grade one Pacific Classic, smashing by eight and a quarter lengths. So can't wait to see those babies at the races. All right. Take a look at last week's races that we handicapped with Andrew Champagne, uh, starting at uh, Gulfstream Park, a mile of 60s on the turf. Grade three, Marsha was river. They were really bunched up. Everybody had a chance turning for home, as you could hear Pete Aiello say. And getting up, now undefeated, she's four. It was Magic Star, started her career at Saratoga, then went on to win at Belmont. This is her first graded stakes win. She was widest of all and just got up by a head. I read Ortiz riding for Chad Brown. On to another race on the card last Saturday, and it was the Tropical Turf, obviously, one mile on the turf, uh, grade three. And uh, this race in here was won by eight to one shot Tusk, who just didn't, you didn't really notice him during the race. But boy, when that uh, big gray exploded, pulled away to win with Tyler Gaffleone in the saddle. Uh, this horse was claimed two races back and then used that claiming tag to get in the claiming crown and ended up running third and last start. Gave it a race over the Gulfstream Park turf course. So Tusk takes the tropical turf. Uh, then we went out to Santa Anita, where we saw the La Canada, and it was by a nose, right with the pace most of the way, Queen B to you, who just got up over Durlu. Should have, should have seen this race. These two traded head bobs all the way down the Santa Anita stretch. But again, Queen B to you got the best of Durlu. And it was Zusha who finished third. All right, last race we looked at, the Las Sinegas, grade three, going five and a half on the turf. They were dashing and getting their first, the favorite, Julie Olympica, kind of a mystery horse coming in from Brazil, now trained by Richard Mandela. Mike Smith in the saddle. The horse is now 4 4 4 lifetime. So a Brazilian bred who was undefeated down there. A lot of times these horses come up here and find the competition a little too tough. Uh, got the job done for Mandela and M Money Mike, Mike Smith. All right, that was a look at last week's action. We just covered national news. And we come back, we're going to be talking to Terry Meeks of the Jockey Guild. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1 866 472 5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, like I said, we have him on about twice a year because there's usually good topics that come up. And uh, Terry's the man at the top, the national manager of the Jockeys Guild. And uh, he, he does other side jobs and everything. But, man, he's got a very interesting, um, oh, shall I say, resume leading up to the position that he's at. He's seen racing really from all sides. Um, he was the special assistant to the commissioner of, of the NTRA and later vice president uh, for that organization. Uh, then uh, before that, he was a racing secretary at Calder, hired on at Gulfstream, become the director of racing. So uh, he's been on both sides of looking out for jockeys and maybe sticking up for them and maybe making sure that they will were taken care of at the different places he worked and uh, got to where he is today because of those experiences. Terry Meeks, how are you doing? I'm good, John. Yourself? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Uh, <clears throat> got through the winter. And, uh, well, so far, no flu or hardly any snow out here. We had one blast, and that was about it. But uh, that was about well, it. I had pneumonia, so. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so doing traveling. So yeah, yeah, it's all that flying around. Out. You got something on those planes, yep. man. You know, they're a death trap. <laughs> well, yes. good. That, that's good to hear. Well, uh, kind of tell me, uh, you know, a, a little bit about uh, y- your annual meeting uh, with with the uh, w- with the Jockeys Guild. I know it was held out in Las Vegas. Kind of hard for you to find a day, but it looked like uh, your uh, board of directors, shall I call them that? Your officers and uh, yeah, a lot of the maybe. Yeah, and, and a lot of the major jacks uh, made the effort to go out there, and uh, it was uh, pretty interesting from everything I was getting from the press releases in uh, some of the new things that are coming out, and then some of the some of the you know things that uh, didn't rub right with you guys. Well, let's start out with with, with some of the positive stuff, okay? Um, well, yeah, we, we had an annual meeting in Vegas, as you mentioned, on December the ninth. 
at Top Golf, which was adjacent to MGM. We stayed at MGM, and you know it's very popular with the riders. And this year it was only one day, whereas the next day, if the riders decided to stay out there, which some did, it was like a, day, a vacation day for them. But you know we we touched on a lot of a lot of issues pertinent to the the membership, and whether it be from the financials, the state of the guild. You know, a retirement plan. We're in the process of developing an app for the membership. Um, we talked about social media, an update, and you know that we're trying to build awareness more for the jocks, and you know, not only for build awareness, but also help not only the jocks but help our industry. And we got an update about the permanent disabled jocks fund, and then we also, John, had um, racetrack executives from a number of racetracks um, speak to the, yeah, on a panel with a board, some of our board members. And we asked basically um, how the riders can do, partner more with management to, to improve the perception of our industry as well as increase the fan base. And it was a, you know, a couple hours meet, panel discussion. You know, we had um, Scott Wells from Remington Park and Lone Star Bob Ellison from Keeneland, Corey Johnson from his days at Remington, Lone Star, Kentucky Downs, Gary Palmasano and Dan Bork from um, Church of Downs, Jeff True, the president of Rio Dulce, and Larry Schwartzlander from the California Fairs. So it was an open discussion. It was very positive, and I think we need more of that today going on we to do. help our grow our sport. We do. Well, be- before I get on to uh, a-, a-, a quote that I believe came out of your meetings, I wanted to ask you one thing. Something I loved this summer that had to do with the jockeys was up at Saratoga for some of the big races when they had the jocks come out of the room and the fog gun shot off and the jocks walk out. I mean, you know, other sports do it. You know, we need to make stars of these guys or they need to make stars of themselves. And I thought that was a great step forward. But that was a narrow idea. They came to us one day and I was there. And asked, we said, absolutely. And, that you know, that's where, whether it be Johnny Velasquez in years past, and, you know, basically says, you know, we need to do more to help the racetrack, but also, you know, build awareness and what the jocks help um, promote the industry. And But, John, I think you well know who best relates to the fans in the fan base. And um, it's the riders. And that's been that way. You know, I'm third generation in our industry, and again, who rates best relates best to the fans? It's the jocks, and they rec- you know recognizable. They know the names. They're continually riding. Um, so I think the industry is lacking in what they should do and help to grow the sport. And they should, you know, turn to the riders. And, and it's not only the riders, but there's some trainers, whether it be Bob Baffert or, you know, you look at Wayne Lucas over the years, what he's done. You know, our our stars and, you know, need to go out there and promote our industry and just look at other sports. Exactly. You know, um, and who, who promotes the other sports. And you look at the, the NBA over the last, you know, 15 years, and basically they promoted the, the basketball players. Um, and I think that's our industry is lacking that. 
Yeah, and, and so you can put a face on a name, like, you know, Javier Castellano. Sure, I've read the name, and, and I'm not saying me, but Average Joe's read the name a million times in the racing form and seen the accounts. But to see him come out of that thing, and, and the personality of certain jockeys did come out. You know, some were a little more demure about coming out and almost didn't want the, you know, ta-da. And other ones came out and just ate it up, you know, put their hands up. Well, and was, you're... You mentioned Javier, and Javier is my son-in-law, but he ate it up, and I think he, the two times they did it, you know, he really got into it, and I think that was, I was, I wasn't embarrassed, but I, I thought it was really, you know, it was good, it, you know, that's, I think it's important down the road. Well, so I mean, Terry, what I loved so I was watching an hour for doing it. Yeah, and what I loved is when the camera followed them because they were coming out right. and making sure that they, you know, high-fived every little kid out there in particular and paid attention to the fans. I mean, I don't know if you know what kind of impact that had. It had an impact on me when I was a little kid um, running around right. Saratoga when the jockeys would walk back and maybe maybe you'd meet, uh, you know, Bill Shoemaker or, you know, somebody of that status and they were kind to you. They'd just say hi. You know, things were different you know, 40 years ago, but, uh, it was just kind of neat to get up close. And then all of a sudden I became a fan and he became my hero. You know, everybody else kind of liked some of the basketball and football stars. Uh, but I, I want to get off this topic cause we got to get to something else. I'm going to read this to you. Um, I, I, I do believe that this came out of that meeting that you had with uh, some of the track executives. And I'm not sure who said this, but it was in print. It said, with the industry focused on equine safety, guild leaders expressed their frustration to track executives that while jockeys' lives are literally at stake, they are the last line of defense for horses' safety. Their input is not being heard or considered as many initiatives are being implemented. This shocked me. The guild was also not included in the formation of the Thoroughbred Safety Coalition, which is pushing for major industry reforms. Man, that I think that came from me, John. Well, it, uh, well, congratulations. It's a fantastic quote and quite shocking, Terry. Well, it's the truth, you know. And again, you know, and I and I applaud the industry for working together. But if it's a safety issue, then the rider should be not Terry Meeks. It should be. You know, our our board is make up make up of Johnny Velasquez and Mike Smith are both co chair. Javier Castellano, Julian Le Peru, and Ricky Ramirez, one of the top quarter horse jocks, or vice chairs. And you got Joe Bravo and you got Joel Campbell and Rodney Prescott, Alex Berzer, Joe Talmo, Ramon Dominguez on the board. You know, they, they need to people need to listen to, you know, again. Johnny Velasquez wants to do more to help the industry, and so does Mike Smith. You look at what Mike Smith has done the last couple of years with after the Triple Crown. You know the time he's given and autographs. You know he they relate to the fans, and I think they can you know explain and help enhance our industry better than anybody. And at the same time, they're at our last defense of saving that, protecting that horse, which is. For, for the perception, for the fans, for the owner, for the trainer, um, the betting public, and themselves. And not to be even consulted with or anything, so far we haven't been. And it's a shame. It, it's, it's unbelievable because, you know, they're doing things, uh, they're saying to help breakdowns that I don't think 
have anything to do with it, such as the administration of Lasix. And the next subject I want to get to, taking whips or restricting whips from jockeys. I don't think they understand that whip isn't there to, to beat a horse silly to the wire. It'd be like driving a car without a steering wheel. Right. And that's, you know, again, this, we've been working with the industries over the past decade. Um, we changed, you know, again, we worked with the industry. We changed the popper. Basically, the poppers back then was, you know, like European style. Um, since then, we've drastically reduced the cuts in the welts. You mentioned, you know, what's happened in California, and you mentioned Lasix and riding crop. That had nothing to do with any of these horses dying. In my opinion, it was a stretch. You know, we continue to want to work with the industry, but the industry now, for some reason, thinks it should be for safety purposes only. You know, and Jeff Johnston, he's been on this on your program several times, and you know, he made a. You know, we we're talking the last year or so, and you know, a former rider, basically, I'm going to go for a hole, turn it for home. And if I don't have some kind of form of encouragement, that hole's going to close up. And if it do, you know if it closes up, what's going to happen? Good possibility, a horse goes down, a jock's injured, a horse is injured, possibly euthanized, or a rider being severely injured, or you know possibly you know getting killed. You know we need that, and what safety purposes? And if you only use it for safety purposes, you know then it's subjective. A horse lugging in, they're going to some. The stewards are going to say, "Well, it wasn't for safety purposes. You're using encouragement. There could be fines, suspensions, and it's going to cause more turmoil and confusion." And again, we are in the industry that um, it's a betting industry. You got you got to think what's the best interest for the industry as a whole. Is there? Yes. Can we do more to help perception? Absolutely. We've worked on it for the last year, trying to work with them, the industry. But at the same time, they, you know, people are making these decisions, never rode in a race or even probably rode a horse or, you know, <laughs> understands anything what we're talking about. But you know, they don't listen to a Mike Smith or a Johnny Velasquez. That's a shame. It, it really is. And again, you alluded to it. Don't forget that guy in the grandstand that just bet his $20. Uh, it, may well, have been, uh, it may have been on a trifecta or a superfecta, and I hear it now with no, no right reason or cause going, oh, man, he didn't ride that horse hard enough for third. You think you hear that well, now? What are you going to think if they can't give a horse encouragement? So you've got guys that right. have put their hard-earned money on the skills of this jockey, and then he's saying, "Hey, he's not given what the you know he's allowed to use in the running of a race." I just right. I, I think these officials are handcuffing your jocks. Right, and just you know the betting public absolutely we got to consider, but the owner, the trainer, right breeders for black type, and you know it's. You know, can we work on perception if a horse, and we got it in the rules, it's been in the rules that if a horse is out of contention, the jock shouldn't use the riding crop. You know, the other thing is we, you know, going back 12 years ago, we tried to get away from calling it the whip to a riding crop and use it a riding crop for perception purposes. And Chris McCarron came up with that. And so we endorsed that and we're trying to get the rules, we got the rules changed to not be calling the whip is the riding crop and misuse of the riding crop, but but still, these horses are not getting cut up, but there's got to be some form of encouragement, and, you know, if a horse is hopelessly beat, or if a jock's winning by six or seven lengths, you know, with uh, 70 yards, 
put the crop away and, you know, just put it away. It's just perception. There's things that, you know, it's in the rule books. The stewards need to do a better job of it. And, you know, and it's communication, too. And we talked, we had a meeting at, at Keeneland Sales in September, and we said, you know, the one, working with these racetracks that, you know, as mentioned, that if there's if they see something that's out of whack, you know, from the stewards, the regulators, racing officials, come talk to a room rep like a Johnny Velasquez or Javier or Mike Smith and the West Coast or Julian or somebody that's experienced riders so they can talk to that person. And then if they don't listen, talk to the stewards and then you can find or suspend, but it's more communication needs to happen. And, you know, here's what we're facing and, you know, let the, the it peer-to-peer and work on it and, you know, address it. But we've come a long way, and like I said, we've done a terrible job, our industry has, explaining these new these poppers that we've been using for the last 12 years are, are equine-friendly, and they don't hurt the horse. To make some noise, yes, that's what this, the intent is, but horses are not getting cut up and they're not, not having wealth for the most part, 98%. You know, if the crops are if the crops are worn or something like that, then. But we put it in. A, we're trying to get in California. We've had issues. We try to get them to address some language we put in the model rule ten years ago, where it says every horse should be inspected after the race by the regulatory veterinarian. If a horse is cut up or welts, take the regulatory veterinarian take pictures of that horse, send it to the stewards. The stewards then talk to the rider, and you know figure out why California, they're all concerned about California. We've asked them, I went to the California racing board two months ago and basically said, this needs to be added into the language. If you're worried about perception and winning over people, why isn't it in there? And it's, we're not being heard. Well, uh, continue your good work there, Terry Meeks, with the Jackies Guild. Uh, this is a hot topic that's not going to go away, and I've got your phone number, so you're not going to go away either. I'll be in no. touch, but you do a great job, Terry. You represent uh, the riders okay. of North America fantastically, and thanks so much for spending time with us uh, this evening. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. All right, Terry Meeks. Uh, the manager of the Jackies Guild. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be winging it with Eric. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. 
Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. And one of our favorite guests, Eric Wing, the communications director for Horsetourneys.com, horse racing's number one destination for player-friendly qualifying contest. And what's cool is they got the low takeout cash games. Eric, how are you doing? Doing great, John. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. You got your tucks all pressed for the National Handicapping Championship? Yeah, yeah, I got to make sure it fits still. Um, might have to drop a couple of pounds, but uh, I'll, I'll have the dry cleaner on the job to make sure it's it's looking good otherwise, as long as I don't pop a button on it. Well, now, now for the National Handicapping Championship, I believe it's the at the Orleans in, uh, in, in Vegas. Um, now, when you come into the room, does like a microphone drop back down and you go, let's get ready to gamble? <laughs> Uh, it, it, there is sort of a, a Michael Buffer parallel. Incidentally, uh, John, it, it's going uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be held at Bally's this year for the first oh. time since I believe '05. Um, after a very a successful run at Treasure Island, you may have been thinking of the uh, Horse Player World Series, which is at I the am. Orleans. I um, am. I that's in March, that. but the uh, National Horse Players Championship will be. Back at Bally's in a new, big, beautiful, gigantic room. So all five or six hundred people will be in one room battling it out, and the final table will be right in the center of it all. So it should be exciting. Well, I, I got a couple uh, horse tourney um, questions uh, uh, for you, and the thing is, it's not too late to get qualified for the national championship. Correct. That's right. Um, <clears throat> there will be the opportunity to win seats either uh, live or online right up until the, uh, <laughs> the eve of the event. Um, but, of course, time is a-wasting. And uh, this Saturday, uh, for example, there will be a $100 qualifier at, horse, at horseplayers.com with five seats guaranteed. So the top five in that game... We'll uh, move on to the uh, championships in Las Vegas. We'll have a, a couple of more qualifiers besides that one sprinkled throughout the weekend. Saturday's is the last chance for people to earn 2019 NHC Tour points. Um, so some the top 50 point getters who aren't otherwise qualified automatically get seats. So people who are pushing uh, kind of to improve their record. Saturday's the last chance to do that. 
All right. Now, uh, in addition to that, you got some more kind of unique ones uh, coming up. What is this? uh, I'm looking at your website. It's flashing through. What is this uh, FlowCal face-off? Well, the FlowCal Face-Off is an online event. Uh, We have a lot of qualifiers to uh, on-site tournaments like the Pegasus. Uh, The last chance qualifiers for that are coming up this weekend because the Pegasus betting challenge is taking place uh, a week from Saturday at Gulfstream. But the FlowCal Face-Off, it's a $100,000 guaranteed cash tourney February 29th and March 1st. You can qualify for it at Horse Tourney's. Entries cost uh, 1500 bucks for it, but you can win your way in for $86 in one of our qualifiers. And that FlowCal face-off, will, uh, for two days, you have to make a pick in every race on the two cards each day at uh, Gulfstream and Santa Anita, hence the flow and the cow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, all I can say is, you know, when I go to Horse Tourney's website, um, I don't know, I, I, I start to kind of twitch a little bit. It's like watching a kid's video game. Uh, you've got so much on there. Uh, I guess it's a matter of just getting used to it and figuring out at what level do you want to play because you just offer so many contests. Anybody wants to go there, it's Horse Tourney's, uh, T-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S, and... Um, Man, if they just want something to do on a on a rainy day, they could pretty much find a contest out there. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's something for everybody. And like you said, some of them are small buy-ins. Other ones you might have to fork up a hundred bucks or more. But of course, uh, the the uh, uh, carrot at the end of the stick's a little bit bigger. Uh, so I would just tell people that uh, they need to go up there and check it out if they just want to have some fun someday for you know like twelve bucks to get in now. Uh, you know, when when I go to like a contest that's coming up here um, tomorrow, uh, the Gulfstream Big Bucks. Um, it, it's uh, no, I wanted to go to the uh, Gulfstream 850 guarantee with no limit. Now it's got a guaranteed and a pool style clicker. What's the difference, and do I get to pick which one I want to be in? Uh, well, what that means is, in a case like that, if it's if it's something says $850 guarantee, is we'll guarantee the pot will be no less than 850 even if just uh, you, you, myself, and your dog sign up, um, it'll still be worth 850 So, And you guarantee prize amounts so that people can be confident that there'll be a legitimate game going on. It won't be like you walk into a poker room and there's nobody in there. Um, so we guarantee uh, purse amounts for games. Pool style means, let's say you and I enter that $850 game and 100 people show up. Well, at that point, it wouldn't be fair if we're only paying out 850 bucks. So it just means pool style. The more who enter, the more the pot will be. And once it gets past that minimum amount, then for every, uh, you know, for every $15 more that gets purchased in entry fees, we'll throw another 14 or $13 into the pot just to, to make it fair for the players. All right. And uh, I'm sure each contest probably varies a little bit as far as how many entries. I just clicked on the pool style and I see that I can buy as many as three entries uh, to get into uh, uh, Friday's uh, 850 guarantee with no limit. Uh, so do, does some contests just have one entry and others have more than three? 
Most have either two or three. There are some that just have one. Um, very few, if any, that have more than three. But um, that, that's typically the standards. Like some people are comfortable playing more than one. Other people like to play one and one only just because it, it can get confusing or sometimes it's frustrating if you, uh, you know, have six winners but you split three of them on each of your tickets and <laughs> you don't wind up doing well enough on either. So some people like, like uh, extra opportunities. Others just like to stick with their best picks. Well, all I can say is there's about 15 options for tomorrow. So if anybody wants to go on horsetourneys.com, they can check it out. Well, listen, let me uh, put your feet to the fire here because two of the hardest races I've handicapped all season or probably for the last several months are coming up at the fairgrounds on Saturday in the uh, grade three, Louisiana. And we'll start with the points race, the LeCompte, uh, a Kentucky Derby points race. And boy, you want to talk about a race that's wide open. I tried to, you know, highlight some horses, those names I would drop on, you know, the reasons I like them. And usually you come up with the winner and I haven't mentioned any of them. So let me just <laughs> very that's large. Not true, field. But continue. Very large field, mile and a 16th. All right. Horse I like was uh, starting out as a long shot at 15 to 1. Finnick the Fierce. Uh, this horse had a wake-up moment in the Kentucky Jockey Club, grade 2, and just missed by three-quarters of a length at almost 90 to 1. And this is the horse, uh, the people are reading about him. He's only got one eye. I don't like that because his eye is looking, I believe, in towards the tote board from the one hole, and he can't really see the horses outside of him. A guy by the name of Sonny Leone, who I know because he rides on the uh, Southern Ohio, Northern Kentucky circuit, is going to make his first start ever at the fairgrounds. He'll be up on that horse, but a 15 to 1, I think you got to keep him in there. Then you got Mr. Monomoy. Okay, we all know. Uh, he, he's a brother to Monomoy girl, but good friend of mine, great trainer, just passed away. Jim Morgan trained over 300 stakes winners. He's probably the greatest trainer you've never heard of. Um, he had a comment for me one time. I was mentioning full brothers, half brothers. He goes, John, if you're on top of a burning building and you look down and see Jesse Owens and his half brother, who are you going to ask to go get the fire truck? <laughs> so, <laughs> So it doesn't always necessarily get passed on. But this horse has been getting faster every race, just got beat by Lynn's Map, who's breaking from the outside that might not even run because of that post. He might go to the Smarty Jones. Of course, Scabbard, the horse with uh, two names, uh, started out as news. Now he's uh, Scabbard. Um, he's legit. Who else I got checks by? All right, this is dangerous. I always like, as hot as Asmussen is, as big as his stable is, I like to figure out who is Santana riding. And he's on Silver State, a horse that's put in two really nice lifetime starts, a win and got beat by a nose last time after being bumped at the start, just missed in a head bob. And then this uh, Sycamore run, a Joe Sharp maiden, but man horse was very impressive in 11 horse field breaking his maiden and since then has had some really solid workouts and i can't even say i've named half the field because it's humongous eric who you like in the uh, lecompte yeah you've named half the field and you haven't named one yet that doesn't have a chance as, as, as you said it's that kind of race sycamore run the sharp horse is uh, has the high buyer but he he did it going six furlongs and now he's stretching out from post 13 so that's always dicey um, <clears throat> Steve Asmussen has never won this race. I, I do think he's got a decent chance to do it this year, though. Not only does he have Silver State, 
but I'm I'm a little interested in the other Asmussen Halo again at fifteen to one. Um, now this horse is also nominated to the Smarty Jones, so we'll have to see about that. The thing I like about Halo again is rain is in the forecast, and he's by Spitestown out of an unbridled song uh, mare, so he's he's mud on mud there. Um, broke his maiden at the tough debut distance of seven furlongs at Churchill, and then made another what I think is difficult transition going from a seven furlong maiden win to a mile and an eighth win on the poly at uh, at Woodbine in a Canadian yeah. bred stake. He might be this year's tone broke for the Asmussen stable, but if he catches mud, I'm interested to see what he does in the Lecompte if he indeed stays in the field. The only other horse I'll mention... So many of these have, have won just one time, and, and, and only two have won uh, more than once, although one of those perfect star has both his wins on turf. The horse I'll mention at a, a wild price, who's won three out of his four starts all on dirt, is the eight-horse Jack the Umpire, who looks cheap or slow on paper, but he's been a feast or famine. He, his one bad race was terrible, um, gave way, beaten 30 lengths, the other three were daylight victories, one at Delaware and two at Delta. He looks slow on paper, but in an evenly matched field like this, I'd be willing to give him a shot. He's bred beautifully, Bodie Meister out of an Into Mischief mare. I think he might have a better chance than a cursory look at the morning line odds would suggest. So I'm looking at those two long shots myself. Um, in, in, again, is a very wide open race. Well, it is. It's unbelievable. But l- l- let me point out on that, Jack, the umpire is after that uh, debacle in the sapling, uh, uh, Brent Brinkman, the trainer, threw blinkers on, and Jack, the umpire, has done nothing but win ever since. Now, some of that taking place at Delta Downs sure doesn't have to worry about tight turns at the fairgrounds. It's one of the biggest uh, race courses in North America. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, either and again, we could go on and talk about the entire field and, and make a case for almost every one. And the great thing is, I think the morning line favorite, Scabbard, is 7-2. to two. So the, the morning line favorite right now, if nothing changed, would pay $9. This is going to be a great betting race, as is the Louisiana on the same car. Now, this is a mile and a 16th for older horses, um, but uh, some interesting storylines in here. Um, <clears throat> I guess that the, the horse I got the biggest uh, check next to is I, I kind of like this silver dust. If, if you just look at consistency and speed, uh, this horse has run nothing but 90-plus buyers since November of 1918. That's a solid animal. Um but uh, then you've got the, you may recall, you got to go back two years, the Silky Sullivan of the Kentucky Derby, my boy Jack, who won the Lexington Stakes when rallying from 10 links back at the half mile. He's reunited with Kent DeSormo for his brother Keith. Uh, then you've got Asmussen and Santana uh, uh, with uh, Gunnett. And just a, a horse that'll make a good story for some sports writers out there should he win is... Uh, Kakulacan, a Mexican bred that I'm sure you remember when he won the Derby Mexicano and the Ciadores Mexicano, both grade one south of the border. Uh, but uh, uh, now he came to America and fared fairly well, won the, that Caribbean, Caribbean Classic, and since then has been right there in some graded stakes races. Has, has a recent race uh, at Gulfstream where it uh, drew off by six lengths. So, so there's some good stories there, but man, I 
I have my hard time getting my teeth into any one horse. And you've got several horses that are coming off the turf to run in this. Yeah, and five of the eight are cross-entered, uh, we should point out, in the, uh, the Colonel E.R. Bradley Stakes, which is the very next race. So I think what's going to happen, John, I mentioned that rain is in the forecast. If the E.R. Bradley gets rained off the turf, it's going to kind of ruin this race because I think a lot of people will run for 25,000, or a lot of the horses will run for 25,000 more in the E.R. Bradley and eschew the, the grade three status of the Louisiana. Um, <clears throat> the horse I'd like best is uh, one of the ones you mentioned, the Steve Asmussen trained Gunnett with Santana. Um, on my personal speed figures, his last race was a, a lot faster than it looks on paper, a lot faster than the buyer, and it compares favorably uh, with the numbers being run by Silver Dust, who is uh, the, the morning line favorite at 3-1. to one. I'm just going to mention for the second time tonight, Tone Broke, um, the other Asmussen. I don't think he's going to stay in this race. I think if it's on turf, he'll run in the ER Bradley I'd like to see him run on dirt, though, uh, because his Prince of Wales last year on the dirt uh, in the second jewel of the Canadian Triple Crown was huge, and it's a, it's a better race than any of these have run lately if he can reproduce that off the bench. Um, but having said that, I'm not sure he's going to stay in this field. Uh, Fairgrounds draws a week in advance, so there's always some fungibility in their cards, both in terms of horses getting minor illnesses or something between drawing day and race day, and, and, and a day like this where you have multiple stakes and horses cross-entered. So it's definitely one of those days where after you do your handicapping, you're going to want to check the scratches carefully. Absolutely. Okay, I think we're going to be able to squeeze one more in. I got a little over a minute left, Eric Wing, and that would be the seven furlong toboggan uh, at Aqueduct. I love this distance, and there's a horse in here I absolutely love in mind control. This horse has uh, been in some big tussles throughout its career. It's only made 10 lifetime starts, but five of those were victories as earnings of 805000 Likes Aqueduct, never worse than second. Three starts there, two wins in a second, and like seven furlongs, which is kind of a niche distance, uh, three wins, five starts for winners over a half a million dollars. Yeah, and it should be pointed out, uh, in addition to all those things, that John Velasquez sees fit to uh, come up to the, to the Big A to ride this horse. He hasn't been riding around here of late. Um, <clears throat> agree, he's, a, he's a, certainly a contender if he's ready to fire off the layoff. This will be his first start ever against older horses. Um, I'll mention another horse who ticks off some of those same boxes in American Anthem. Yes. Four for eight at the distance, basically faster than these if you go into his back races. Um, had been trained by Baffert at one time, most recently by Rudy Brissett, but he's going first time for Danny Gargan, who clicks at a 34% rate uh, yes. with newcomers to his barn. I think American Anthem is one of the others who could win, along with the likes of Sonny Ridge, who's turning back for Jason's service. And even T Loves a Fight, who's aptly named, might look a little cheap on paper, the New York bred, but is as game as any horse on the, on the New York circuit. I swear, there's got to be a cam more cameras in this office than at a massage parlor in Florida on uh, Super Bowl week. Um, but because uh, if you looked at my program, you'd see that I checked off a lot of things you commented on. But 
let's just admit it, Eric, great minds think alike, and I hope that's the <laughs> case here. But listen, uh, stay in touch. H- have a great time uh, wearing your tux and doing a super job uh, out in Las Vegas. And stay in touch. When, and when something jumps off at horse tourneys, don't be shy about reaching out to me, okay? Sure will, John. All right, that was Eric Wing, uh, who, of course, is the uh, top publicist of Horse Tourneys, and that is real easy to get to. And when you go up there, you'll see how much action you can get and get into contests for all levels. And they tell you how many people are already in the contest and how much money's in the pool. It's a, it, it's a really good site. And then don't forget, uh, coming up uh on the 17th of January, the Beamy Awards. They officially uh, start at 9 o'clock, but the show starts at 8.30. Uh, go to jasonbeam.com. It's, uh, it's going to be extremely entertaining by a very uh, talented man. Again, with all of this funky racing that we just alluded to, there's one thing that may help you sort it all out, and that is our easy win forms on winningponies.com. So use those Reach in those jeans, pull out some greens, and I hope you have a very winning weekend. So for everybody at Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.